0: Beginning transmission eighty three. Captain America, white. File under November holidays.
1: <音声><音声> Come on, you fuckers think that just because a guy reads comics he can't hurt some shit? I'll oh, fucking take all you want.
0: Welcome to this week's episode of the Funny Books and Firewater podcast. 優しい本とラッシュポッドキャストの今週のエピソードへようこそ。ignor she drinks each week a motley band of comic readers slash amateur bar tenders attempt to pair cocktails with comic books 毎週漫画の読書のザッタラバンドはスラッシュアマチュア入札しようと漫画とペアカクテルバーです all while trying to not sound like a complete morons in the process すべての中にしようとして音ではないような完了プロセスで定能です kind of like a Find these idiots on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Tumblr. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Tumblr. You know something? Know what? You read too many comic books. (laughs) We now join Brian, Jeremiah, Adam, and Todd. They're used to curious sites
2: which they attribute to alcoholic
0: delusions.
3: They may be drinkers, Robin, but they're also human beings.
0: I'm too sober for this shit. And we are rolling.
3: Ray. Hooray! Less
2: Less rolling like we're on ecstasy? I, wish. I was just looking at a thing on Tumblr where they were, had a bunch of ads for different cocaine paraphernalia because cocaine was that popular in the 1970s. So, but there's more than just porn on Tumblr? Uh, well, no. you know, if you don't go to your page, yes. Which one? Uh, well, I don't know. <laughs> don't say that you know, loud. But,
3: I've been scarred before.
2: I, I, yeah, no, I, uh, I, I actually didn't even go to Tumblr to see it. It was uh, actually linked to an article um, On Facebook, that said that they're on Tumblr. That showed stuff. So hey, uh, welcome to episode 83. This week we are celebrating Veterans Day. Um, We're spending November celebrating uh, different holidays throughout the course of the month. So last week we did Guy Fox Day. This uh, week we are doing Captain America White for Veterans Day, and we have the Utah Boys back sharing a mic. All together, Um, as we described last week, uh, they are going to be going on tour. Um, We decided to go against them doing Legally Blonde tunes, and now they're only going to be singing um, uh, songs from the musical Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. Our Best Little Whorehouse in Utah, um, starring
4: Adam. Hey, what's up, everyone? It's Adam. I am the film critic and reviews editor for Big Shiny Robot, also the co-host of the Board Is Hell podcast with Andy Wilson. Hi, Andy. Andy. Yeah, just... Living the dream up here in Utah.
2: <laughs> uh, also, living the
3: dream, we have mm, Todd. I am Todd. You'll find me here on this podcast. I'm doing pub quiz, and Brian will attest. I only get third or fourth place because no one else comes with me. Oh, he is throwing
1: some shade at Adam right now. Uh, and Adam apparently. wasn't even
4: looking. <laughs> oh, I heard. I'm just, I'm just choosing not to uh, <laughs> condone that behavior. Condone that behavior, yes.
2: <laughs> with a response. Anything else, Todd? No. And we also have
1: Maya. Hey guys, uh, it's Maya, or Jeremiah, uh, you can catch me here on the Funny Books and Firewater podcast, uh, and now on a new podcast called Breaking Babylon, where, uh, myself along with a couple of our friends watch Babylon 5, one of them has never seen it before and kind of made fun of it before watching it, and the other hasn't watched it since it first aired, and we kind of, uh, rehash our thoughts and what we think about each episode, um, And you can catch me right here in Salt Lake City at Dr. Volt's Comics, 2043 East and 3300 South, for all your comic needs. Hi, Dave. Hi, Dave. He doesn't (laughs) listen. Hi, Dave. Hi, Dave. Uh, And hey, I'm uh,
2: Brian. I'm a sound designer from California, who I forgot (laughs) to mention last week, made my DJing debut at the House of Blues of Anaheim the other day, Um, which is a funny story. So I have a friend of mine who promotes... So um,
1: at the House of Blues, would you DJ like Robert Johnson or Sunhouse or... uh, This was a... No, this was a... Uh, well, okay, so the, funny thing about, the couple funny things
2: about the House of Blues. So House of Blues in Anaheim used to be on Disney property, and then their lease ran out, and they decided to move. So they moved over to this nearby mall. They took over an old movie theater. But it's this mall that's right next to Disneyland called Garden Walk. Well, their first week of shows, that when they were at Garden Walk, they booked all the bands that Disney would not allow them to book, including, like, Horn <laughs> and, like, there was a bunch of rap artists, and there's a bunch of stuff that way. Anyway, so a good buddy of mine, he hosts a... Um, and promotes a Wednesday flashback evening. It's uh, way back Wednesdays, and they do, like, 80s and 90s tunes. So he has a normal friend of his who DJs and he knows that I have some DJ gear, and I, as a hobby, will DJ on occasion, but I've never DJed publicly. Well, so he calls me up, desperate for a DJ, and I said, well, look, I, I, I tried to get my rig up and running. It wasn't working at that point in time. I'm like, I can come in and help you out. I'll figure something out, but I, I don't guarantee it'll be good. He goes, it'll be fine. So I went there, set up my DJ rig, still couldn't get to connect, so I DJed the House of Blues off of an iPhone app all night long. Um, luckily, I would feel bad about it, but it wasn't a big crowd because it was also a night where the Dodgers were playing to try to go to the playoffs, uh, to the World Series. So uh, we didn't have a huge crowd. I mean, it was okay. But my claims to fame was is I got a very pregnant woman to sing along to Papa Don't Preach by Madonna. <laughs> and then a little bit later, I played Push It by salt and Pepper, and she got upset with me saying it's way too soon for that. Anyway. <laughs> so, that was my evening DJing. DJ at the iPhone
1: house. in the house.
2: I had my rig up, and I just had my iPhone down on one of my turntables, and... So I'm like, if anybody came to look, they would know that I was full of shit. But, like, I was, you know... <laughs> like, and I put my headphones on, because, but, like, literally, I was DJing using just the software, my own mix, that only I was hearing, not what the audience was actually hearing, because everything else was coming off my phone. It was actually pretty fun. At one point in time, I'm probably going to actually DJ the House of Blues for real, and if I do, I and I have f- forward notice, I will let you guys know on the show. Do um, you have a DJ name? I was just going by my work name, so, um, but yeah. Uh, which... I've never mentioned before, but I have. I use a different name at work than I do here. A totally different story.
3: Because uh, you're ashamed of us?
2: No, because you actually know me. It's one of those weird things where it's like people who know me in my personal life refer to me as Brian. People who know me only from work have a different name for me. Um, and that's... Asshole. It's, asshole. <laughs> I, actually, funny thing. My name at one of the theater companies I worked at was Jackass for an entire summer. Uh, I answered to it, uh, which is kind of funny. But... Anyway, that's aside from the point. So, we are celebrating Veterans Day, as we said before. This week we are reading Captain America White. Why has it got to be white? I don't know. Um, we've all made that racist joke at some point in time in discussing of this book on our private text messages. Uh, but, um, as Maya said last week, he gave us a little preview of it. Maya, do you want to give us a little preview of it again as well, just to refresh yeah, our memories? Yeah, just,
1: just to kind of bring it back up. It, it's, it follows along with the other uh, Jeff Lib and Tim Sale uh, color books. Um, that kind of are kind of like an origin or, or early days of uh, tell the early days of uh, Marvel superhero. Um, you know, they did Spider-Man Blue, Hulk Gray, Daredevil Yellow, uh, and we have Captain America White. Um, now, now, as, as Brian mentioned last show, uh, this came out like last year or two years ago. Um, it did and it didn't uh it originally the the zero issue the first issue actually came out in like 2008 okay (laughs) and then never finished and then they finally got around to finishing it like last year um so so while yes the majority of it did come out last year um it really started like 10 years ago
3: (laughs) okay who is the hold up
1: uh, I don't know. I don't know. Jeff Loeb, you know, he's busy. He's the head of Marvel TV. Right. So I'm sure he has a lot more important things to be doing. Um, but yeah, I would assume it was probably Jeff Loeb, but that's just my own speculation. I had a friend
2: of mine who had an office down the hall from Jeff Loeb, and he used to r- rub that in all the time, being like, hey, I just walked past Jeff Loeb's office. I'm like, you asshole. Um, <laughs> yeah. We're going to read this book. We're going to need a drinking game to go along with it. I just edited that so it doesn't sound like a total idiot. And now for sports.
0: Listen up, sports fans. Prepare yourself and your liver for this week's drinking game. Remember, it's only a game and a dumb one at that. So don't take it too seriously. And above all else, please drink responsibly.
2: Uh, so I will jump in I'm going to call my rule the Cyclops rule um, which is every time they allude to Nick Fury's missing eye or eye patch take a drink
1: my drinking game is called "You Damn Kids." Uh, basically, anytime Steve acts like a, a protective parent or a crotchety old man to Bucky, even though he's only a couple of years older than him, uh, take a drink.
4: Uh, mine is "War is Hell." Every time they, we, they talk about the war or like how horrible it is, take a drink. Because you need to be reminded okay. that the war
2: over is like, <laughs> like literally every page. Yeah. By the way, we're in the middle of a war. By the way, we're in the middle of war.
3: Why can't I keep my shield? Every time he loses or throws a shield somewhere and it has to come back to him by another means. Take a drink.
2: I guess, do we want to just jump right into votes?
3: Sure.
4: Vote for Pedro. So I've been asked by the judge to be the form. Vote for Pedro. And I want y'all to know that we's going to run a fair jury and a clean jury.
0: It's time for a vote. Because we love you. We don't want to waste your money. We will now vote on whether this week's book is fit for human consumption by you, our dear listener. Along with each vote, our panel will also provide one piece of evidence to support their vote. vote
3: for Pedro. Do you expect me to talk?
2: Vote for Pedro. No, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. There is nothing you can talk to me about that I don't already know. These are the votes
4: as to whether or not it should be read. Uh, Adam, what's your vote? I'd say yes. I mean, it, it's, a, it's a much lighter book than we did last week. Uh, and yeah, yeah. one you can probably tear two and a half hours. So uh, it's not a perfect book by any means, but it's got a fun little story. And it, mm-hmm. it deals with punching Nazis. So yeah. Which is something uh, everyone smart. most people could enjoy reading right now.
3: Well, there's yeah, bad sure things so. done by both sides. Both, both sides. Yeah. <laughs> both sides. They're,
1: they're, they're all very fine people. They're fine people on both uh, sides. On both sides. <laughs> uh, yeah.
2: Um, you're gonna find people on both sides. Todd, what's your vote?
3: Yeah, read it. It's fun.
2: Uh, Maya, what's your vote?
1: Uh, I also say yes. You know, whereas last week V for Vendetta, uh, you could say is more of the uh, the artsy fartsy film. Uh, this would be very much a summer popcorn film. Uh, yeah. It's just fun. Captain America and Bucky uh, in World War II. Uh, and I would also vote to read it, but
2: I wouldn't put it at the top of my list. It's, it's okay. It wasn't amazing, but it was fun. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll get into more of that. Does anybody else have anything they want to throw in before we jump into actually reading this book and spoiling the shit out of it?
1: I'm good. You're good? I'm good. You're
2: good. Okay, cool. Uh, so cool. So we will give you the opportunity to go ahead and read this book. Um, And then when we come back, uh, we're going to spoil the living shit out of it. Probably more in our old traditional fashion, because this book is not terribly long. So we will see you on the flip side.
0: If you have yet to read this week's book, and would like to read it now, press pause. Go ahead. We'll wait.
2: Welcome back. Um, His first time doing the lightning round. Give him a warm round of applause. Be be gentle. It's... Be gentle. It's his first time he's a virgin. Careful, it's, it's going to be Maya doing our lightning
1: round. Lightning round begins. The book starts off with the uh... Bucky and Steve watching uh, like Captain America news reels in a movie theater. They end up driving back to base. Uh, you know, Bucky's just enamored with with Captain America. He doesn't know that Steve's Captain America. They kind of go their separate ways. Uh, Steve starts to change into the uniform, and Bucky walks in on him changing. Figures out his identity. Bucky eventually talks Steve into training him and letting <laughs> him be his sidekick. Steve's a little apprehensive, but is like, okay, yeah, you can hold your own. They end up getting. Uh, their orders to ship out for the war and uh, Bucky reveals his costume to Steve and that he wants to be called Bucky the next page uh, they're parachuting in behind enemy lines, punching Nazis kicking Nazis, Bucky gets a little uh, overzealous and and basically puts himself into danger uh, and Steve has to tell him you know one slip up is all it takes and you're going to get killed. Be more careful. And then we move on to issue two uh, that starts off with Steve uh, in the future being woken up by the Avengers after they find him in ice. Uh, and then uh, he ends up going back and we end up jumping back into World War II and him telling the story uh, to Nick Fury um, about what happened in the war. So yeah, uh, we jump into the war with a uh, Nick Fury with both his eyes and Dum Dum Dugan. Uh, being saved by Captain America and Bucky. Dum Dum Dugan is basically like, you know, you gotta admit, uh, they look good. Nick Fury is crotchety Nick Fury about it. He's not impressed with, uh, with Captain America there. Uh, jump ahead to, uh... Steve getting ready to go mingle with the other soldiers, uh, the other Howling Commandos. Uh, they don't know that he's Captain America, uh, but he does have to put on appearances that you know, there's a reason that Steve Rogers and, and James Barnes are there at the war, even though people don't actually see them in the fighting. Um, he has to just go, go mingle in the bar. Uh, there ends up being a bar fight between Steve and the Howling Commandos. Uh, then they end up getting shipped out um, uh, and the plane that they're in, uh, that's taking the, where they're going gets shot down. Q issue 3, uh, starts off with everyone in the water, all the Helen Commandos and Steve and Bucky, uh, they end up getting out of the water, saving each other, and making it to land. When they make landfall, uh, they're in a foggy area with a big mountain in front of them, they end up seeing Namor, but... I don't think it really showed him beyond that. <laughs> like one, pa- there's one yeah. page with him. It just seemed it seemed a little out of place. Oh, it was Namor returning his shield. That's what it was. And then yeah. Namor's like, "Here's your shield," and then goes away. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Cap. It was a little too much. Yeah. Huh? Uh, because the shield had sunken in the water. And then Cap and Bucky start climbing this mountain. Uh, when the Fury and the soldiers, and when they get to the top, there's a tank pointing its gun right at them. Uh, the next issue starts off with, uh, the Helen Commandos and everyone, uh, on their knees at the, uh, mercy of the Nazis. Cap ends up headbutting the main Nazi, there's more fighting, they get out of the predicament, uh, they end up tying up the Nazis, and, uh, they take the tank, and the rest of the Helen Commandos dress up as Nazis, and they're, they're basically ba- pretending to be Nazis and escorting Captain America and Bucky, uh, pretending to That They're their prisoners, Uh, they end up meeting some French gypsies, or a French gypsy, Uh, she knows exactly who they are, they fight fight a little bit, but she knows exactly who they are, and she ends up joining them, and then they end up, uh, wherever it was they're going, whatever town or or city they're going. Uh, they end up at uh, and you find out that baron strucker and the red skull oh yes paris uh baron strucker and the red skull are in paris uh then we go starts off with you know a, a rousing hate speech by uh the red skull talking to hydra and the nazis uh while captain america and and the commandos and the gypsy are kind of sneaking around captain america and the gypsy uh they end up having a kind of a flirty moment, and then she's basically like, it's the French who will free France, uh, not, not the Americans. And Cap discovers that Bucky was listening in. Uh, they start planning an attack to attack Strucker and the Red Skull. Everyone kind of gets into position. Uh, and then they start the attack. It looks like it's at the base of the Eiffel Tower. But uh, as, as kind of alluded to in the first issue, Bucky made a huge mistake, and he got captured by the Red Skull. Uh, who is now holding him hostage. So Cap has to deal with that now. And the next issue is Captain America pursuing the Red Skull, uh, trying to get Bucky back. He ends up catching up to him. Uh, meanwhile, the Howling Commandos are, are dealing with Baron Strucker, and the book just kind of alternates back and forth between uh, the fight, between you know, both fights there, both uh, skirmishes. Red Skull has uh, dynamite that he's going to light up, bomb Paris with, or a part of Paris, and he ends up uh, getting blown up himself while Cap and Bucky fall either up on top of the Eiffel Tower. Yeah, they were up on the Eiffel Tower. Uh, Bucky and Cap fall. Uh, they end up surviving the fall. Uh, Strucker's taken care of. Red Skull's taken care of. Captain America meets up with Marianne, Mary, Marilyn, who is the uh, the gypsy, and ends up having his first kiss with her. Whoa! Uh, kind of a nice moment. And then the book ends with, uh, in the past, with Captain America and Bucky riding off to to more war adventures, Uh, and then it jumps back to present day where Captain America was telling Nick Fury that story, and uh, he's looking at the in-memoriam statues of himself and Bucky, and he ends up destroying the statue of himself because he's not dead, and rides off to be Captain America. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, So then not a, not a whole lot of depth, but a lot of uh, just punching, pu- Nazi. punching Nazis. Okay, hey, So I'm going to be honest with you.
2: One of the things that bugged me about this book is he kept talking about his regretting whatever happened to um, Bucky. Like through the whole book, it's like, I'm really sorry, Bucky. I'm really sorry, Bucky. And I understand like in the overall comic sense of it, we know what happened to Bucky. But like in the book... He never—they never show what actually happens to Bucky or why he's telling this story because he, he's so remorseful. But he's just telling these stories. about like that, for me, that just bothered it, me. I don't know if it bugs anybody else. It briefly
1: shows it um, when they are falling off the Eiffel Tower. You briefly see like a flash of just Cap, you know, seeing the plane that both he and Bucky were on. That Bucky—it's uh, a whole different story. It deals with Baron Zemo. Um, uh-huh. But yeah, it doesn't really. Go in depth about that, or or mention yeah why Cap was remorseful. Yeah,
2: it was just it was one of those things that like they talked about it so much through the entire book, and then they never came up on it. Todd, I know that you're a big fan of uh, Jeff Loeb and um, Tim Sale's work on the Batman books. I was curious as to what your thoughts were on this compared to some of those other books.
3: You know, for the Batman books, they did the Long Halloween, Dark Victory, as well as a third one.
1: Um, um, I can't remember the third one, but they also did a Catwoman book
3: called Win in Rome. Yeah, I've got that one too. So the third one apparently made a big mark on me. <laughs> third yeah, apparently. Um yeah, I can't remember. Jeremiah, I'll get it here in a minute. So yeah. with the art on this, it's interesting, they're definitely teaming up again and I guess it's why and they're trying to get things a lighter is not necessarily a thing. A lot of this book take place takes place at night and war is hell, so you've got a lot of rich tones in the coloring side of it. But the art, in and of itself, seems to be nostalgic. is a pretty good word for a lot of is it st- as you're reading it. Nostalgic and yeah, kind of cartoony. There is a catar- cartoony nostalgia to it. There was their work on Batman had a different style to it. So um,
2: Tim well, still has a. Well, the work ball. on Batman was far more monochrome. You know what I mean? Like it's more. It's not quite black and white, but it has far less colors. Mm-hmm. And I, I just couldn't tell. Like. Because I'll be honest, I really don't like the art in this book. Me neither. I um, didn't like it at all. I, I, like the first, like, Maya saying that the first book was published and then the rest of it was published, like, much, much later makes sense because the first book, I feel like you can see a little bit more of a strong art style. <laughs> the rest of the books just, they don't seem to have, I don't know, they just, they looked rushed. They're not completely, they, I don't know, they just, I know Tim Sale has a very specific style and I couldn't tell if it was because of the colorization as to mm-hmm. why I didn't like it. Or if I just didn't like the art because I just didn't like the art. You know what I mean? Because I do like Tim Sale's other work. It's just on this book, I
3: just well, really didn't like it. And, and the one thing
4: I didn't like either was that, yeah. you know, the whole point is that War is Hell and these horrible things are happening with Nazis and the Red Skull and everything else. But then the art makes it feel almost like cartoony kid-like. Mm-hmm. And it's such a contrast uh-huh. to the, the subject matter of what's actually taking place that <clears throat> it just it didn't fit. And, like, yeah, I've seen Tim Sale's work before. I like a lot of his stuff. But for this, and Especially, you know, they they made Bucky look like fucking Damien from, <laughs> like, yeah, Batman, man. and I fucking hate Damien, so, um, if I do it didn't, it didn't work for me, I mean, that was, you know, this one is definitely gonna get a lot lower grade than we did for, for me at least, than I did for, uh, Vendetta.
3: With it, though, the only, I guess, argue for it is it's as if he's, um, he keeps talking about how he's remorseful and sorry about Bucky and everything, so this whole thing is going through a flashback in his own eyes and what he remembers. So, do they approach the art style as romanticizing everything? I mean, war is hell, but it's a romanticized version of what war is. You've got pictures of the gypsy, Marilyn, and she's always framed, like, beautifully in this regard, and they've got the fun of fighting. He's going, hey, I have to remind you, Bucky, be careful, but there is a little bit of a um, rose-colored glasses to the memory of all of this going on here.
1: And and with the fighting scenes... Uh, you know, you ha- it is darker colors with the like, mm-hmm. the Helen Commandos and the Nazis and everything, but then you have the two bright, shining characters of Bucky and Captain America mm-hmm. that are kind of the opposite of that, uh, and that kind of stuck out with me.
3: R- right, but it is. It's more cartoonish. It's weaker. It's... Um, the earlier stuff was better. It's just how it goes.
2: And I, I just... I, I don't know, man. Like, I just, The art was really the big... Like, killer for me on this. I just really didn't like it. Just, I don't often, and, and I know that I, he's a better artist than me in general, but like, I have seen better art than this by like kids I went to school with. You know what I mean? Like, what, were just, they rushed? It's finally like, we
3: have to get this out. Let's just get it out.
2: That's almost what I wonder. And I don't want to, I don't want to like say that it was that because I don't know for certain, but it just, it feels like the quality that they have in other books just isn't quite there. You know what I mean? Like, it feels like a rough draft that just wasn't tweaked for complete accuracy. What other books do we like, have that we felt at, the same way about? <laughs> 30 Days of um, Night? Well, we hated the art 30 Days of Night. There's another one that we felt like the art just wasn't to but the quality. We, I, I think it was you specifically
4: was. said it felt like it was rushed, like it was a rough draft. And I can't remember. It was like... It, it was a wild.
2: Yeah. It was, yeah, it was Pride. Yeah, yeah, It was the Pride we I got that way the, pride. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and I got in trouble for because not everyone is... Not everyone is of the same artistic ability. That's what I got yelled at mm-hmm. for on that one. And that's why I don't really want to say that, but I just feel like of Tim Sales' work, I've seen stuff that he's done that I've really liked. This is the thing that I, of his work, well, that I dislike I, the most. I, I haven't read like, any
1: of the other, like, Marvel color books. Have you guys mm-hmm. read, like, Spider Man Blue or Holton? No. Could, could, th- could no, Tim Sales' art be, like, could he have a Marvel style and a DC style? If he does, DC definitely won out. Like, if that's the case. Because, like,
2: I'm trying to find, like... But there's, like... The, the Okay, so if you look at on page... Okay, I don't know. Like, when you... They're, okay, Haunted Night. Mm-hmm. And I have read that one as well. Um, but if you look at the page where they're watching the film, and you look at Captain America in the film, right? The, the, the details on that drawing and, like, the mask's kind of balanced, whatever, then if you just flip a few pages forward to the, the page, the splash page, that covers number two, those two drawings of Captain America, so it's right after, if you have the same copy I do, it has a variant cover with, like, Hulk, and then it just has, it just says two on the bottom of it and it's a picture of Captain America holding the shield over his head with the American flag behind him. It just, those two drawings together do not match up, you know what I mean? Like, one is significantly weaker than the other one. So it, it just, it looks rushed, it just is not up to the, the normal quality, I think, of Tim Sale's other work, at least not in my opinion.
4: Uh, Adam, what are your thoughts? I, I mean, like I said before, this is, this is a basic, easy read book. I mean, it, it, it's fun. It's kind of a nice respite from what we, we did last week, and, um, you know, I, I do have a big problem with the art. It's not my thing. Um, you know I'm not as, as I mean I'm more familiar with the with Bucky from like Wonder Soldier and then also from the from the Marvel Marvel Cinematic Universe, so I can't tell if this is kinda of like a retconning of his original story. Nope, that is his original story. Okay. That wasn't sure. Yeah, the, the yeah. cinematic universe is There's different. In the movie. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's very different. I just um no, it was fun. You got to punch Nazis. You got to go fight the Red Skull. I just, I, again, it was, the art was a big, big thing that kind yeah, of put me off.
1: Yeah, it it I'll, like I'll it... agree too. It's not Tim Sale's greatest art. In fact, my favorite Tim Sale art is actually all the uh, the paintings he did for uh, uh, the painter that could see the future on Heroes. All all, all, of, all of those were Tim oh, Sale. Oh, yeah, that's some cool stuff.
3: Uh, <laughs> art. Yeah. Which, let
1: me... Go, go on real quick. There's something With that...
3: the, the nature of the art, it seems you're punching Nazis, you're fighting, and then don't forget to come home and have your glass of milk.
1: Yeah.
2: A little bit. It has a little bit of that quality. but And that that mm-hmm. kind of I kind of get that vibe of what you're doing. I just... I feel like that's more inherent in the story than it is in the art. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like... The art, it's retro as in retro as in something that someone could have drawn when they're younger and it does have some good moments like the, the picture of captain america underwater at the beginning i think of like the third or fourth issue it's the third issue like that's cool it has some cool moments in it but like there's just some stuff where it's like it's just not up to snuff
1: but yeah it does feel like a very retro sort of throwback sort of piece you know? and so little 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 fact I, I just had to double check it here because i wasn't mm-hmm. sure if i was remembering it correctly uh but Tim sale is actually colorblind
3: Go dude. Oh, that's
1: right. I had heard so that's that. That's actually yeah. the the kind of joke why they were named why they named all the different Marvel books like Spider Man Blue, Hulk Gray, Captain America White, just because they're all colors, and he's colorblind. Well, which also
2: may make it may make the the Batman stuff work more because it's monochrome, and with this being as colorful as it is, I, I still just feel like it's the drawing and the layout. I just feel like there's just not the quality there.
1: You know, and I, I'm betting it's because it was rushed. They were like, you At know, this, point, this book came out ten years ago. Yeah. Um, your
2: contract's just about up. We need to get you to finish this. Yeah. Bob, what are your other thoughts? Because I kind of cut you off on no, some stuff. No, you're good
3: here. With this book, I mean, it's a bit of a early days of Captain America. And it almost seems like, well, come gather around, kids. Let me tell you of this earlier time I had. And it's a, it's a fun read. It's a good read. But in a lot of ways, it's a prequel-type cool story that isn't needed. It's. I mean, you've got Jeff Uh Love and Tim Sale going. Oh, we're doing these color series with the early days. Let's do something that's faithful to the history and try to get that nostalgic and all that back again. And it seems so much. It started becomes. It's um. As much as I enjoyed reading, at the end of it, it's what's the point? This whole story could have been told, or just the feelings of that in a single issue. Until you open up to something else, but it doesn't seem to expand the story or get to know him better. So, I mean, the most personal bit of that whole thing is basically when Bucky called out Steve Rogers on going, I've had more experience with girls than you have. Yep. And uh-huh. that seemed to have been the most honest moment in the entire book. And Steve going, Well, you might be right, but still, you should listen to me, cuz.
1: Uh-huh. You're right, but fuck you.
3: Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> yeah, <gap>. pretty much. <laughs> and that seemed to be the most honest and real. And the rest of it is trappings of we're having to do a Captain America story. Let's have Nazis punching everyone. It's a success. Yay. America America. Murca. Yeah, I
0: mean, this is the yeah. most
3: book I might have read but read. But I enjoyed it. It might yeah. be but, but again, then say that it. it's your
4: I, I, I like, exactly yeah. but I enjoyed, I enjoyed it, too. it. I enjoyed it. And I fully support punching and killing Nazis. So mm-hmm.
3: So it, it's one of those things you you're listening to it and all the ingredients. Sounds amazing. It's Jeff Lowe with drawing by Tim Sale. You have Captain America, you're punching zombies. Nazis. Nazis zombies. But you're punching Nazis and they you made got the Red movie. School. Red School bad. Yeah, let's throw them in here too. And it's kind of like an all-star, but it's a bit I kinda of equate it to the movie Troy. I mean, you had all the ingredients, you had an amazing actors, you had amazing sad piece, you had wonderful fight sequences, the music, and he was a well-known director, but it, the sum of its parts were more than what the whole ended up being, and it just missed the magic, and it just became an assignment.
2: I remember going to see Troy, and it was it was bad even for gay porn. Like it was just there was nothing redeeming about that movie. Like it was so bad. Adam, uh, comment.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I actually have never seen Troy. So you've
3: never trained We'll see. No. Yeah, yeah Wolfgang Peterson. You've got. Oh, I know.
4: I know everything about it. Just it was one right. that I never wanted to go see and didn't really it care was, about.
3: You don't need to. It was pretty bad. Yeah. It pretty it's bad. just
4: funny you mentioned the most honest part of the book. My mm-hmm. my part was when uh, after he gives Bucky the black eye and they're just talking one on one and he's like, you know, why'd you do it? He's like, well, it was an accident. You know. He's like, no, you called me James in front of everyone. Like you outed me. Mm-hmm. And that's what Cap says. Like, hey, uh-huh. I I make a mistake. He's like. Mm-hmm. You better than you know better than anyone else what's underneath this uniform. I'm just a man who can make mistakes. Another and one. it kind of like I, I mean again I haven't really I need to go further along and because I most I know from Bucky is from the from the MCU. Mm-hmm. But you almost see like a schism starting the relationship there. I don't know how much deeper that goes than the rest of the comics, but yeah, you can see something cracks there and like nothing will be the same after that.
1: Well, in the comics, he very much was like he was here, uh, and kind of like Tim Drake was Tim yeah. Drake. Figured out who Batman was, mm-hmm. and then was like, "Let me be your Robin." Uh, that's in here. James Buchanan Barnes. Acc- granted, it was an accident. Figured it out. Figured out who Captain America was, and was like, "Let me be your Let me psychic." Be psychic, yeah. So it's uh no, that's that's very much the Bucky of the comics. Well, it's also. I mean, I think we discussed
2: it a little bit where part of the reason why Batgirl came along was because you know at a certain point in time. They noticed that, like, Batman and Robin, they're like, is there sort of a gay relationship going on here? Like, you really look at it like, so Captain America is a soldier who is taking a young boy onto a military base, and this young boy is going to movies with him, and I'm like, <laughs> oh, okay, I, I can see why maybe they made them equal ages when they put them on the screen, because in a, from a modern perspective, looking at that, you're going, it's a little weird, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah, it's, um... There's something fishy going but I mean, on there. Back in the you 40s. know, people didn't view it as that way.
4: You know, we just didn't talk about it. I mean, they would just sent you off to boarding school when you got mm-hmm. pregnant.
2: Yeah, you know, I mean, you're saying that Bucky Barnes was pregnant, maybe that's why he was uh, sent off to be, become the uh, what, Winter Soldier.
4: No, it's because he had an abortion. <laughs> Jesus.
2: Oh, is that what it is? We go fun places here. We do, we do. <laughs> uh, Adam, any other fun places you want to go?
4: Uh, yeah, but I can't talk about it on the podcast, so. Uh, <laughs> No, no. It's again. It's 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 a lighthearted book. It, well, it's it's only really light, lighthearted. It's a light read. Uh, it's it's fun. Uh, yeah, there's fapping in it. There's right here. Is this fap. Um, <laughs> there is, yeah. You fap and then you gack. <laughs> Are those the sound effects? Yeah. Whip, whap, whoosh, fap, gack. Uh, I don't know. It's 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 a basic storyline. It's fun to read. And it's interesting. Uh, not the best thing out there, but you know, if you need a palate cleanser after. Vendetta. Like, <laughs> I, I couldn't think of a better book to, uh, to go through. <laughs> well, I have a cocktail to go along with Ooh, this book. Mm-hmm.
0: Behold, Mr. Boom, we finally fulfill Mr. the second boom, half of our Mr. title boom, and make with the fire Mr. water.
4: Alcoholics transform!
0: We need to boo!
2: Because Captain America has his first kiss with the uh, in, in Paris, uh, my cocktail is called The French Kiss. It's actually a pretty simple cocktail. It is two ounces of sweet vermouth, two ounces of dry vermouth, and a twist of lemon peel. And it's, uh, you pull, pour both vermouths into an old fashioned glass uh, over ice and stir and twist the lemon peel over the drink and then drop it in to get that taste. The drink was actually, the intention was of it was to show that vermouth could be a decent drink on its own. So that's kind of fun. Adam, do you have a cocktail? Oh uh, yeah, it's called Fuck Nazis.
4: <laughs> uh, it's nice. it's very similar to like a um, it's like a twist on a, a Moscow Mule. So you can do two ounces of vodka, four ounces of ginger ale, uh, two dashes of bitters, uh, and you stir that and you garnish with an orange slice. That really does sound like a Moscow Mule. But the, the bitters give it. Like, actually, I did try making this one. It does give it a little bit different flavor. So. Okay, Maya, do you have a cocktail? I do. Uh, I actually found one called the Captain America. Uh, it's two nice.
1: ounces of amaretto, two ounces of spiced rum. <laughs> two ounces of bourbon, and one ounce of cranberry juice. Uh, You shake everything in a shaker and straight into a glass, or if you would rather pour it into uh, test tubes, you can call it the super soldier syrup. Nice. Okay, and Todd, do you have a cocktail?
3: Mine's the Gypsy Queen cocktail. So it's two ounces of vodka, one ounce of Benedictine, and two dashes of bitters. And you just shake the shit out of it, and you put it into a martini glass.
2: Okay, cool. Uh, does anybody else have anything they want to discuss before we continue on?
1: Uh, I think we've. No, I think we've had everything. It's a, it's a, a much lighter yeah. book than V for Vendetta
3: was. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's kind it of is, the extreme very... of both sides we just traversed mm-hmm. here.
2: Yeah. Yeah, we really did. Uh, for those of you who aren't aware we recorded both these episodes on the same day so You're that's why we keep re- well yeah but we've kind of obviously made it like we keep referencing v-, v for vendetta as if it wasn't that we just discussed it last week we discussed it like 20 minutes ago yeah. uh so it's it's kind of hard for that not to be you know fairly obvious at that point in time so so let's jump into final grades
1: Jamie, school is never a waste of time Since we have 15 minutes until recess Please put down your pencils and stare at the front of the room it's,
0: it's report card time It's report card time It's report card time I'm so fucking fun. God,
3: please, No!
2: No! No, no. Um, let's start with the grade for writing. Um, we'll start with Maya. Uh,
1: as far as writing goes, I'm gonna give it an A, just because it was fun. Uh, it had good character moments. Um, you know, like we mentioned, like Adam mentioned with the uh, the black eye, and uh already yeah, told him twice. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I really liked at the you know the end of the first issue where he's like, you know. Be careful, or you're gonna die. Like, this is war. Like, you can't just be a kid, just because you're my sidekick, you can't just be jumping around, yeah. going, oh, I'm Bucky, and no, if, you, Parkour. if you, you fuck up, you're gonna die, yeah. Um, I really like the character moments in it. Uh, Jeff low that's something Jeff that excels at. So yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm giving it an A.
3: I think it was Capra who said the definition of a good movie is two good scenes and no bad scenes. Um... Okay. this meets that I mean between the the I told you twice black eye (laughs) and the I've um, got more experience than you Mm -hmm. Steve and there was nothing in there that goes why why is this here why is that happening so there was nothing bad going on and those two scenes were good so I'm going to give this a solid B in that regard it did everything I was supposed to so yeah it's a B
4: and Adam? Uh, so I'm on B+. B+. Again, the, the writing's a strong part. You, you do get a feel for these characters. It's fun. It's interesting. Uh, it's not too overly complicated. Uh, and yeah, it's actually the, the best part of the book. So,
2: um, I guess it leaves me. I'm going to go with uh, B+. Um, the writing, I think, is, is definitely, as everyone said, the stronger part of it. I thought it was a fun story, um, but we will get to what I disliked in the next <laughs> round, which is art. So, for Grades for Art, since I've already bitched about it, I'm going to give it a D. It just, I, If it was a different artist, I might have given it more points, but it just is not up to the quality that I'm used to seeing from Tim Sale. I normally really like his work, and this is definitely the weakest thing I've personally read that he's done.
1: Uh, Maya? Uh, I'm going to actually give it a, a C+. Um, I agree with everything we've said. You know, It mm-hmm. seems like we all like Tim Sale, but we all can agree that this is not his strongest uh, art. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm giving a little bit better, better grade than you, just because I think it did what it needed to do, uh, and I like a lot of his facial expressions, like, especially with like, uh-huh. Grumpy Steve or Grumpy uh-huh. Nick Fury, I think he really captures those facial expressions really well. Um, and I just kind of like the his cartoony style to begin with, even if it's not his best. Uh, so yeah, I'm going to stick it like a C C+.
4: And Adam? Uh, I'm going to D. I absolutely did not like the art in this. Uh, like I said, originally is that you've got such heavy subject matter with the atrocities of World War II, and what the Nazis are doing, and fighting people, in the Red Skull, and then you've got this really like cartoonish kitty portrayal of what's going on, and it just didn't it didn't meet with the the subject matter at all. So,
3: uh, Todd, see, I'm going to give it a C. I mean, it is still Tim Cell's work. It's Tim Cell. I'm in a rush, work, <laughs> but it's still Tim Cell at the end of the day. And there were strong moments. There were a lot of weak moments, but there were a few things to point out, and goes like, you know what, that looks really cool. And we've had other stories like 30 Days of Night <coughs> where that's not the case. So it was not as a game, but yeah, I'd give it a C because it's still Tim Sales' work. So I'm going to give him okay. a bit of the uh, benefit of the doubt here on that one. And then, of course, for this month's holiday or for this
2: week's holiday, it is Veterans Day. The appropriateness for Veterans Day, Adam, what's your vote?
3: I'll give it an A. I
4: mean, because this again, it's it's very patriotic. It's yeah. <laughs> very, you know, America, fuck yeah, uh, greatest loves, generation. Yeah, greatest generation. So it did fully fits the, the holiday 100%. Uh,
1: Maya, uh, I'm I'm right there with you. I, I I don't think I can say anything that Adam didn't say. It's very much uh, a fitting Veterans Day book.
3: Okay. I mean, you've got the character that wears a U.S. flag as his uniform. I'm not sure how to get more yeah. America than that, so yeah, it's an A for the holiday. And I'm the
2: same A as a holiday. So total
3: overall grade, uh, Todd, C plus. It was fun. It was, okay. did it, but it was it was fine. Adam,
4: uh, I'll give this one a B. I did enjoy it uh, a little bit more than V for Vendetta. Again, that just because that was such a heavy read, um, and while the art really does detract from it, the story's still interesting enough, and you, you get to see Nazis die. I like that. So
1: mm-hmm. okay. <laughs> Uh, uh i'm also at a b uh great story not so great art averages out to a B. uh
2: and i'm i'm right there with you as a b actually um we're kind of all in agreement on that uh because i got nothing else to add so let's jump in on recommend well does anybody else have anything you want to add about the story before we move on uh no nope. i think we've covered it all fuck
1: nazis okay yeah there you go Fuck, fuck Nazis. nazis yeah. Yeah. got it
0: and now it's time for recommendations That time in the show where the panel tells you all the crap they are currently into, but will forget about as soon as they see something shiny. You're
3: a stamp tramp. How dare you? And what is that? You give
4: your stamp of approval to everything. It's become meaningless. Why can't you be more like your wife?
2: Lily's stamp is gold. I'm reading this book because of her. (laughs) I'm drinking this beer because she recommended it. I'm even wearing this bra because of a lingerie store Lily told me about.
3: Uh Todd, you got any recommendations? I do. I recently picked up a trade of God Country. It's an image comics trade. Donnie Cates wrote it. The basic idea is takes place in West Texas and this old man with Alzheimer's has lost his wife is just a pain in the ass, too much for the town to handle. And then here comes this crazy tornado and inside of it is a sword of all swords as he's wielding it. He gets all of his mental acuity back and he's this badass with his big old sword. And then out comes this other guy says, hey, that's my sword. I am the leader of a thousand worlds and dimensions and the taxes fashion old man goes. How about you come take it from me? And wackiness <laughs> ensues. I like wackiness. Okay. Yeah. Uh,
1: speaking of wackiness, uh, uh, Maya, do you have any yeah, recommendations? Yeah, so... Um... Warner Brothers not only owns DC, but they also own Mad Magazine. And a few months ago, they released a a children's parody book called Goodnight Batcave. Um, Well, they just released a second kind of children's parody book called Superman and the Miserable, Rotten, No Fun, Really Bad Day. Um, Okay. And it's just a funny Mad Magazine style, uh, in the style of a children's book, uh, just story of Superman having an awful day. Uh, boring chores, angry editors, rampaging supervillains, a cranky Justice League, and worst of all, bad pizza, uh, as the back of the book says. Um, and if you need a couple of blurbs, uh, The Flash says, it was a quick read. And Batman says, it's the perfect <laughs> book to curl up with on a dark night. I'm <laughs> oh, That sounds fun. Uh, Adam, do you have a
4: recommendation? Uh, yeah, so, uh, it's actually a TV show, so... Uh, I was a huge fan of Will and Grace back when it was out, you know, years and years ago. And they just recently revived it. It's been gone for ten years, and they kind of updated it with new politics and everything going on. Uh, And it's just as funny as it was before, but the uh, episode they just did, which, as we record this, was uh, the week of of, uh, October 16th or or something like that. the article, the episode actually dealt with the fact that one of the characters now has a has a grandson who might be gay, and so his parents sent him to like a gay conversion camp. And so they did a really good job of kind of opening people's eyes to what that is, and then dealing with that issue, but at the same time also making it really funny and enjoyable. So it's, it's as good as the season's been, as funny as it's been, I and mean, we got scruffy gay Ben Platt. He said boner when I got pregnant. Yeah. Uh, this episode was cool because they really touched on a very serious issue that a lot of people and kids deal with. And they did it in a way that was uh, enlightening and entertaining. So,
2: Awesome. Uh, and then mine is going to be uh, a movie that's been out for a little bit by the time this comes out. Hopefully it's still in theaters. If not, I uh, highly recommend catching it on video. And it's called Professor Marston and the Wonder Woman. Which I still need to see. Uh, yeah. So I, I saw it a little while ago. Um Basically, it's the story of the guy, Uh, he was a psychology professor, um, and he had a theory called disc theory, which um, he ended up, he and his wife ended up falling in love with um, one of his uh, students, and they had a uh, polyamorous relationship, and between him and these uh, two women that he was in love with, he decided that one of the best ways to get his theories into women's liberation and things like that into the public consciousness was to it put it in comic book form and get it in with the youth and basically try to get uh, women's rights more on the youth's mind and have them move up and so he started this comic book called Wonder Woman and uh, it goes through the controversy of his career and his love life and those two things uh, colliding and, and how all three of these people had major roles to play in the creation of Wonder Woman and it is a uh, it's a pretty fascinating, interesting story, um, and I think it's really well done. I think it it's well directed. There are some things in this in the real life story that I think could have been Hollywoodized and made a little more um, s- glamorous or sexy, and I think that they treated everything as reasonably straightforward as possible. I think they did a really good job of of keeping it semi fair and balanced, not necessarily knowing the entire whole story they they do seem to. Try not to sensationalize it too much, I think, uh, or at least as much as they definitely could, because uh, watching the story, you could see how, you know, ten years ago, if this movie was made, there'd be a lot more tits in it. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, but I really enjoyed it. I think it's a, I think it's a really valuable book, uh, movie to see, uh, especially as comic book fans. Um, I think it's just it's an interesting thing to see, the backstory as to how a very famous
4: character was created. Yeah, and you don't, so. you don't really see much, much portrayal of uh, polyamorous people in you know, modern cinema or even modern pop culture, outside of people thinking like polygamy or something like that. So
2: Or you also don't see it where it's not like a love triangle and people are jealous of each other or things like that. Like this is a a truly loving relationship between three people that gets a little complicated at times, but you know, it's three people who truly love each other, which is like I said, if this film was made ten years ago it would be a very different movie. You know what I mean? But in a modern context I think they did a really good job balancing all aspects of the story. So um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. But, uh, yeah. So, next week for Thanksgiving, we're going back to ye oldie times with uh, I think it's 1602, yeah. correct? Mm-hmm. Marvel 1602. I know, and I, I realized when I was going back and editing past episodes for some reason, and I think Todd gave me shit about this later, I had said something to the effect of like the, the, the Pilgrim Landing on Plymouth Rock in 1602 or something stupid like that. <laughs> uh, because, I, I swear to you, I do know a little bit more about American history <laughs> than that, and I actually have visited Plymouth Rock before, but... It, is, it seemed appropriate because it is, you know, olden times, uh, you know, basically what, essentially Tudor age uh, superheroes sort of thing. Uh, Maya, have you read this one before? Uh,
1: when it first came out. um okay. but yeah, it's very much like early, like, America colonies. Like, if if the Marvel characters were in, like, the early America. Yeah, and colonies. I read it
4: a lot when it first came out, too, so. Okay. And it's uh, Neil yeah. and Neil I'm, I'm Gaiman
1: re- and one of the Kuberts, Andy Kubert. Uh, Andy Kubert. Like, and I've I've read a few. I
2: haven't finished it yet, but I've read a few of them. And I, I enjoyed it. It's I, I, yeah. I think it's I think it's gonna be a fun read. I think it's. I'm um, looking forward to it for next week. Um, until then, does anybody else have anything to add? Nope, I think we're good. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, and we will see you all next week with uh, 1602.
0: So that happened. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode. This band of knuckleheads will be back next week with a new episode. Until then, you can find them on Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr as Funny Books and Firewater, and on Twitter as at Firewatercast. Go to FunnyBooksAndFirewater.com for the most up-to-date information, as well as cocktail recipes from this and past episodes. Thank you for joining us. And until next week, support your local comic shop to get your bartender well and stay hydrated.